Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. And I just pray, Father, that you continue to have your way, not just our service today, but our day to day. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 So uh, this morning, our message is, I am alive. Everybody say, I am alive. alive. Now say it really loud like you're alive. Say, I'm alive. alive. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. All right. My parents are here this morning. What an honor to have them here. Recently, probably the past few years, it's just saying, hey, I'm so blessed to have a mom and dad that love Jesus. I think about this all the time, that they're our first-generation Christians. And uh, to where I am today is because they decided to make that moment. And so let's give God praise. But it's exciting because God is so good, and he really does answer the prayers of parents. So my dad, as we were younger, he told me we decided to go play some baseball and he signed me up for Little League. I don't really remember why. I think he probably just thought, hey, let's do baseball. I don't know, because he loved baseball, whatever. But he signed me up for Little League, and I don't remember how old I was, probably seven or eight. But I remember one of my first practices, it was like the coach pitch. So the coach pitches all the baseballs and stuff. So I remember helping out the coach and helping out the coach. And the coach was like, hey, Joe, you know, why don't you just gather the balls and put them in the bucket? So when I'm ready, I, maybe because I wasn't a good baseball player yet, <laughs> I don't know. But anyhow, that was my job, that practice. But we'll let you know, within a few minutes, I remember being hit with a baseball right in the nose, bloody nose, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And my mom's like shaking, yep, my dad, yep, yep, all right. But anyhow, I still played baseball. I really did love it. It's a fun sport, okay? How many of you guys watch baseball out there? Now, raise your hand and be honest. How many of you have ever watched an entire game of baseball? All right. Okay, okay. Now, for those who watch baseball, you know there's moments when you're watching a baseball and you're like, this is only the third inning. <laughs> Seriously, this has been an hour and a half, and we're still in the third inning. Or like, man, it's been three hours, and you're going to extra innings, and then it goes on forever, okay? There's, so there's moments in baseball where it just straight up becomes a little boring, and no offense to baseball players out there. But anyhow, and I remember taking my son, Carter. I was help coaching his team, all right? And I remember his first game, we get out there, and, and then he's sitting out there. He's like, hey, so, Dad, um, when does the game start? And I said, buddy, it's in the second inning. <laughs> Seriously. Nonetheless, he does not play baseball. That's not his thing, and that's cool. But I remember when I was in baseball, my coach would have a phrase to yell out. And the reason being because baseball sometimes gets a little boring. You have nine people on the field, okay, and sometimes the ball doesn't get hit into your direction. And that gets very boring. So sometimes you have guys out there and just kind of like standing in the sky, like looking, like, okay, what's going on? Someone's walking by, they look around. Oh, what are they eating over there? I want some of that. And they're supposed to be playing baseball. They're supposed to be engaged in the team, in the game, because if that ball gets hit, you've got to be able to catch that ball. So what happens, the coach would all of a sudden just yell out from the dugout, say, yo, look alive, look alive, look alive, look alive. And, you know, it's absolutely like a phrase. And then once you hear your coach say, hey, look alive, look alive, and we're like, you know, we're ready. Like, we're all ready for this baseball, because why does the coach do that? Because the coach does that because if he doesn't do that, his player that's sitting in right field, literally sitting in right field, won't be able to get the baseball if it's hit to him. And if he doesn't get the baseball in time, then runners will score. And if runners score on them, guess what you have to do? Play catch up the rest of the game. And that's not fun. But if you're ahead of the game, holy smokes, you just keep rolling out and keep hitting that baseball to the same kid that's sitting on the ground because that's where we're going to win. But anyhow, so your coach does it. Say, oh, look alive, look alive, look alive. And I think this morning is that one of those messages. Like, hey, look alive, church. Let's go. Wake up. It's alive. Yo, you're alive. And we're going to get into that while you're alive. When you're walking into service on a Sunday morning, I'm telling you right now, I, <laughs> there was a moment, and I was like, man, I talked to somebody. I was, like, I was like, that whole crew just walked in like this. And I even said, hey, what's up? 
I'm going to believe, I'm going to, I'm going to, t- I'm going to be the higher person and say, I don't think they're mad at me. Okay. I really don't think they hated me. I think it's just, it's what we did. And I'm like, man, if people understood, if people actually understood why they're walking into a church, if we understood why you're here on a Sunday morning, if you understood why you woke up at seven o'clock to get here for 845, or if you woke up at seven to get here at 11, whatever it is, but you're here. All right? You're here. And your expectancy of why you're coming, I believe, has to change. Not just you, but me. Like, we have to constantly fight that flesh of, it's early in the morning again. And it's funny how that happens on a Sunday morning, but like on a Monday or a Tuesday or even a Friday or a Saturday, like whatever. Like, okay, yeah, I got to be at work at a time, so I got to be there. Oh, I got a doctor's appointment. I can't miss that doctor. Oh, God forbid I miss that doctor's appointment because I've missed, missed that doctor's appointment. Guess what? I'll get charged, they might drop me, and all this other crap, and I can't then have, like, uh, i got to get another doctor? Like, seriously, what I'm saying is this, and please, I love you. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. I really am. <laughs> Pastor, we're glad they're here, aren't we, Pastor? All right? All right? But the reality is, like, man, look alive. Look alive like you're coming to church, and not just to church, but you're coming into the Holy of Holies. You're coming into a place where you have, hey, we're expecting what Zach talked about. We're expecting that to happen. It's not something that just might happen when you have an evangelist come through or something that all of a sudden pastor preaches a great word, which he does. But the reality is, is every Sunday, look alive, wake up, understand you're walking into the presence of the most high God. And that is how we need to be alive. Amen. This morning, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter two. And as you turn to Ephesians chapter two, Everyone say, I'm alive. I'm alive. Now, if I'm alive, guess what I'm not? Dead. Yes, you guys are smart, all right? And guess what? If you're not dead, what are you? Alive. Praise the Lord Almighty. We can go home now and understand we're alive. Amen? Amen? All right? But we're alive. We're alive and we're so alive, it's not even funny. All right? Ephesians chapter 2 is written by the man named Paul. You know, Paul used to be called Saul. And Paul now writes one-third of the entire New Testament. But see, Paul did something, and, and I believe, I really think, this is not thus saith God, this is just my own thought, is that I think God understood that Paul understood what God understood. All right? And let me break that down to you. God radically changed Paul's life. Paul understood what it meant to follow God and what to not follow God. And then he went after God like crazy. All right? Now, so check it out. So Paul used to be Saul, and he used to kill Christians all the time. Why did he kill Christians? Just because he hated them, because they believed in God. So then all of a sudden, God all of a sudden stops them. Saul has one encounter. Everybody say one encounter. encounter. How many of you know it takes one encounter to wreck your life forever? It takes one encounter with God to all of a sudden flip something and all of a sudden set you on track where you need to be headed. So Saul was in that experience. He had that encounter with God that wrecked the entire later part of his life. And not just that, it's wrecking lives today because of what Paul did. All right? What God did through Paul. So Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, and I really believe Paul understood how important it is to serve a God that's really alive. He understood exactly what it took. All right? So everybody say one encounter. One encounter. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. It says this, As for you... You were dead. Everybody say, we're dead. We're dead. That's so bad English, just like that. Sorry. We're dead. In your transgressions and sins. You were 
dead. You were dead. Past tense. Amen, sister. I saw it. I was all over your face. Past tense. You were dead. The other said past tense means it's, it's done. Like, hey, that's over. That's no more. Okay. So you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the rule of the kingdom of the air. But the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All, verse three. All of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Verse 4, But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive, everybody say alive, alive. with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Amen? So you were dead means that you were dead, and so now that means that you are now alive. All right. So you used to be dead and you used to do things of this world. You used to satisfy the cravings of your flesh. You used to do things that you can't do anymore because now you're a new person. Right. Okay. so you used to do things and you used to do that. But now you are made alive in Christ. All right. How many praise God for that. Amen. So you become alive, no longer dead, no longer living the same way you used to. But when you encounter God. Your life changes like crazy. And you can't be the same. You can't. There's no way. You used to be dead, which means that you're alive. Praise God. And I'm alive. And it's not alive just, hey, Joe Callie's alive. But it's you're alive because you're alive in Christ. Amen? So now let's jump to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. If you're with me, say, I'm alive. I'm alive. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22, And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. You become a dwelling for God's Spirit. Once you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, once you acknowledge that God sent Jesus to die on the cross for me, for my sins, because there is an afterlife, friends. Your destination is not in the ground somewhere with a tomb, and that's what everybody remembers you by. Your destination is not there. It's either heaven or hell. Now, through Christ, you get to heaven. Without Christ, you get to hell. Case closed. But in Christ, everybody say, in Christ, Christ. we're made alive. All right. So then verse 22 says that you become a dwelling in which God's spirit is now living inside of you, which means you used to be a citizen of this earth. You used to have your driver's license up for Pennsylvania. You know, that used to be you. Okay, but now our citizenship is taken somewhere else. And that's in heaven. That's with your heavenly father. That's with your family. That's your family. We're blessed to have family on this side of heaven, but that's the family that we're really a part of. Amen? That is my family. My family is up there, and that's where our system takes place. It's not here any longer, but it's in heaven. Amen? So that's something, like, that's exciting, and that's awesome. That would be like if Paul got saved, and then that was it. Well, that's not it. That's why Paul writes one-third of the New Testament, because he understands. Salvation's great, but to see more people get saved is even greater. To see people's lives be able to change from this earth to there is a whole lot better than just me getting there by myself. Amen? So it's Paul understood this. And Paul encourages the church, hey, check it out. There's more to life than what you actually are doing. 
There's more to life than just getting saved. It's time to do something. It's time to look alive and actually look alive like you serve a God that is alive. You know what I'm saying? Look alive. Let the Word of God be the foundation. Let the Word of God speak to you. Let the Word of God be the very thing that's so filling up your spirit that it's overflowing. That everywhere you go, you have to speak Scripture because that's all you talk about. That's all that comes out is Scripture, Scripture, Scripture. Okay? Let this become so real to you because that's what Paul did. And not, I'm not, we don't have to be like Paul, but man, good Lord. He wrote a third of the New Testament. He did crazy awesome things for God. He healed people too, just like Jesus did. He saw signs and wonders just like Jesus. We need to look alive, friends, like we've never looked alive before. Make this a moment in our time in history that, hey, there's something going on at Lighthouse. There is something happening here at our church because we are alive in Christ. We're not just walking around. We're not just quote-unquote, doing church. We pray as a staff, and anybody wants to come Monday through Thursdays, 12 o'clock, but we pray together, and we're saying, God, let us be something different that this environment, this county, this country has never seen before, and let us see the signs and wonders happen. The Bible says every believer that calls in the name of Jesus says that signs and wonders will follow them in Mark 16. Signs and wonders will follow every believer, not just the pastor. It's because the Spirit of God that's in every believer has that capacity, has that ability to do something amazing for God. Amen? Amen. Shout out, I'm alive. alive. So you're no longer a foreigner. You're no longer the old you. I'm so glad that when I was in middle school, I made up my mind to serve God. I'm so glad I looked at some of the guys that that was around me, and I said, man, I don't want to be like you at all. I looked around at other people. I said, nope, not you, not you. And I'm so glad in middle school, I decided, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to serve God, and that's what I'm doing for the rest of my life. And that's what I do. That was when I changed my citizenship. I'm going to heaven. I'm a part of God's family. Okay? And we can't live like everybody else. So stop trying. Like, seriously. You're God's people. God's people have to stop doing what the world does. we got to start doing something what the Bible says to do. Let people look at you and say, Melissa, why you go there on Wednesdays and Sundays and now Mondays and Thursdays and Fridays? Why you do that? Because she's serving God. And that's all that she really cares about is serving God. That should be what makes us so much unique. So the Bible says it's supposed to be a city on a hill that it can't be hidden, that you can't be hidden. You're supposed to be shining brighter than ever before, that even if people tried to shut you up, they can't shut you up. They tried to shut Paul up, and guess what? We got one-third of the New Testament. Look alive. Look alive like you serve a God that's alive. We sang that one song, first song, about how I came running out of that grave. All right? Jesus Christ died on the cross. He went in the grave. And on that third day, he pretty much said, enough is enough. I'm ready. I've done my time. God, I did what you told me to do. And then he walked up out of that grave. And he demummified himself. He blew that stone away. And I was funny when we were singing that earlier. I was like, I bet. I know I'm not Jesus, okay? But if I was Jesus, I don't think I would have ran out of the grave. I think I would have demummified myself, folded everything, and just start walking. And he start walking and looking at all those centurions, because you know they had a buttload of centurions trying to stop him from doing anything. And just looking at you thought you had me. Yeah, that's right. How many are there? A hundred? Two hundred? Yeah, you thought so. And just start walking. I don't know. I just think if that was me, I'm going to show you that you can't hold me down. And that's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus did on that day. He's like, no, man, I'm, you're done. You're done. You tried to shut me up. You tried to even kill me. All right? But you, you messed with the wrong dude. You mess with the wrong man. I am God's son. And if that's the case, whose spirit's inside of you? The same spirit 
that was inside of Christ is inside every believer. So what Jesus did, he walked out of that grave and he said, yeah, you thought so. Guess what you and I can do? We could talk to our circumstance. We can talk to what we're going through and say, oh, you thought you had me. We talked about last week about the devil being under our feet. Keep that devil there. Don't give him access at all to any part of your body above your feet. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't belong there. Don't let him travel to your mind because that's going to be scary. That's going to be torment. That's going to be, oh, man, this world is going crazy. Don't let him get there. He's so far down, and you can make him down and keep 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 him down down all the rest of your life until you breathe your last and go to heaven. That's not by Joe Cowley. It's by the Spirit of God that's inside of me, that's inside every believer. That is the power. So knowing that, oh, we should be walking. We should be like, yo, what is up? I got something you need. I got what you wanted. And I know, I know your destiny is not here any longer. We should be walking with such a boldness and excitement. Say, yes, we serve the most high God who's alive and well. The Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And there's no way in hell or earth that anybody's going to stop me doing what God wants me to do. That's the power of God, friends. Jesus Christ, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit that is in Christ Jesus, which means I'm not the same any longer. I am not the same. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, that anyone that is in Christ becomes a new creation. The old is gone. The old is gone. And the new is here. You have to stop living in the old and understand there's this newness of life that comes from the Spirit of God. That is what we have. Some of you today are like, I'm even preaching, you're like, oh, wake up. Yo, hit the neighbor and say, yo, wake up. All right? This is something you need to understand because Jesus Christ will come back and we want to make sure that we're alive so that he doesn't have to look around and say, Okay, which one's mine again? No, man. Hey, yo! Yo! I'm right here! I'm right here! I'm going! God, I'm right here! Please! Please! Don't forget me! That, whew, that's exciting! Holy cow, could you imagine as dads or moms when you walk in and your little kids come running to you? God forbid you just ignore them. But when they're coming to you, like, yeah, come here, man. Yeah, come here. You know? Like, you want that. You want that. That's what God wants. He wants my sons and daughters that are running, going after him. Jesus already did it. He did it all. He did it all. Everybody say, I'm alive. I'm alive. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live is in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. The life we live now, it's not to satisfy this. This right here is not why I'm alive. The heart that's here is not why I'm alive. It's the Spirit of God that's inside of me, which is why I'm alive. That's what gives me hope. That's what gives me strength. That's what makes me help get up out of the bed every day. That's what gives me the freedom and the faith to speak to any circumstance and understand it's got to go under. It's got to go through the Word of God before it reaches me. They can't touch me. Declaring that, hey, I'm alive. Through the Spirit of God, I'm alive. Paul understood this so well because he was dead. Now he's alive. And he's trying to tell as many people as he can, hey, check it out. 
Salvation is great. But man, there's so much more. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. He's praying now in verse 14. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power. Everybody say power. Power. Through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. Say power. Power. Together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that it surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably. Guess what immeasurably means? <laughs> you can't measure it. All right? You can't measure it. More than all we ever ask or imagine. According to his power that's at work within us. So close your eyes real fast. Jesus Christ walked out of that tomb. And he said, enough is enough. I'm going to go. Okay. And he walked out of that tomb. That scripture says, now to him who is able to, more than you can dream or imagine. That same spirit that was in Christ is now inside of you. Now imagine if you were Christ, what you could do right now. What you see in your mind can become reality. What you see, the unthinkable, the unimaginable, the immeasurable, the things that you think that can happen. Guess what? God says, no, they can't happen. But I need you to believe. I need you to understand. I need you to not doubt me for a second. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that it says, by his wounds we were healed. Past tense, healed, means Jesus already did it. Now it's time to receive it and understand, okay, by the Spirit of God, I can speak to the sickness, I can speak to the circumstance through the power of God and understand that that's got to come in alignment. Does that make sense? So the same Spirit that's inside of Christ is now here, so I can do what Jesus did. How cool is that? I can do what Jesus did. Now, I'm not God, not by any stretch of imagination, but what I'm saying about the same spirit that's in Christ is inside of me. And if Jesus can raise himself from the grave, we can definitely be praying for people and seeing their eyes be healed. Uh, We can definitely be praying, seeing diseases to be done with. We can definitely pray for people, cancer to be gone, things to be falling off, scales to be taken off people's eyes. Why not? Why not? Jesus did it. Not only did Jesus do it, but Peter did it. Paul did it. They did it through the Spirit. So now it's our time to do it. It's got to go on forever. Like I said, one encounter with Paul wrecked his life and all the Christian church. All the Christian church. And will wreck the whole Christian church until God sends Jesus back. That is exciting. Now, you can be one or two people, though. Like, you can be sitting there and like, I'm saved, I'm cool, and just relaxing that. Or you can do the unimaginable. You can be a part of the people that's going to see miracles happen like crazy. You're going to be a part of the people that says, we're going to pack out this church because there are signs and wonders happen. Not just that, but people are lost. The Bible says that in John 3, 16, that God loves the entire world, that he gave Jesus for the entire world, understanding that you and I, mankind, is God's sole, priceless possession, that he understood this world needs a Savior Okay, so if that's the case, we have empty seats in the house today. We had it in first service. Why not pack it out with people who need Jesus? How's that going to happen? It's going to happen by Carlos looking alive at his workplace and telling people about Jesus. It's going to happen when we're doing what God wants us to do, where we're at, through the Spirit of God that's inside of us. They're going to come running to I was talking to Hope. Hope led someone to the Lord on see you at the pole. How cool is that? Little Hope. Fifth grade. She's not little, I'm sorry. Fifth grade Hope. All right. I said, hope, 
led someone to the Lord at See You at the Pole. The Bible says that when one person gives their heart to Christ, all of heaven stops and rejoices. So I knew there was a better one out there for, for a little hope, and, but she did. But she's doing that. I told her, I said, Hope, why can't you be the brightest, the brightest young lady for God in your school? Why can't you reach more? Why can't more people? And I said, and I'll tell you right now, Hope, I don't think it's going to be you having to start conversation. I said, man, what's going to be? People are going to come to you and say, Hope, I want what you've got. That is so cool. How cool would that be? We're in a world that's it's dying. You know, we're in a world people have so much garbage in their life. We should be set apart from that, different from that. Everyone say, I'm alive. I'm alive. Romans 8.11 is that scripture that talks about if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. He lives right here, all throughout our body. He gives you life, which means... You don't have to battle sicknesses or pain like the world does. You don't have to live with that anymore. You now have fullness of life. If the Spirit of God raised Christ from the dead, why can't the sickness go? Why can't your circumstance change? Why can't things in your life be different? There's no sickness you have to hold on to anymore because Jesus already paid it. You have to understand, hey, power of God is stronger and it's more powerful than what the doctors tell me that I got. Start believing that rather than doctor's reports. Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen? Jesus Christ paid that price. He was whipped for your healing. He was crucified to pay your price for your sins. And hell can't be your destination any longer. Allow that same spirit to come alive in you. Allow that spirit to come alive in you and walk around looking alive. I heard a preacher, Rod Parsley, say this. He says, you give expression on the outside of what's going on in the inside. When people are having a hard time, guess how they walk? When you're having a good time, are you just jumping? You're just excited. You're ready to go. Let's go. Where are we headed? Where are we headed for lunch? I'm just excited. I want to see who I'm going to talk to today. You know, like, you're just alive. You're so alive and so alive and so alive, like almost like annoying alive. You know, Erica? Like, how cool would that be? Yo, you're kind of alive, but you're kind of annoying, but you're kind of also contagious. And what's up with you? Hey, I'm alive through Christ. It's the spirit of God that's inside of me. I can't shut it up. I just can't. It's the power of God. And I want people to know that Jesus Christ is alive. He is alive. He is alive. So we're alive. So now what? What's on the inside needs to come out. What's on the inside needs like it's almost like you got to catch up your body with what you already know. Like face, wake up. You know, your, your leg's not working properly. Shake it a few times. Say, yo, hey, Jesus died for that to be healed. Let's go. Let's make it happen. Let's move your arms. Do things that you couldn't do before. Allow God's spirit to be all through you. Teaching your body that, hey, check it out. You need to survive because there's people that are dying to go into hell and God still wants to use them. How exciting is that? Why do we have to think that we're going to die at a certain age? Why do we have to think that, oh, it's just old age? Why do we have to think, oh, I'm scared to go and do that? No, man. The power of God is so much stronger. The Spirit of God is so much stronger. It's a new mindset. It's a new mindset. Look alive. Look alive. The Spirit of God is inside every believer. And every believer should be looking alive. I am who the I am says I am. I am who the I am says I am. I'm not what doctors say. I am who God says I am. And I'm the Son of the Most High God. 
I have been healed. I have been marked. I have been anointed. I have been called to reach the lost. We have been called to show signs and wonders throughout this place. We have been called to do the great and unimaginable things. It's time, church. Could you imagine the unity? We all looked alive together and what God would do. I believe God's going to do it even if you don't jump on board with us. We're going to see it happen. We're going to see it happen. It's going to be the greatest move of God that we've ever seen on this side of heaven. Amen? Just Matthew chapter 9, a portion of scripture where Jesus is walking. And he's walking, and all of a sudden, he re- he's healing the sick and praying for people. And then he realizes there are people that are down and out. They're distressed. They're afraid. They're fearful. And he looks at them, and he's like, he's moved with compassion. So he goes ahead and he prays for them and he heals all the sick and all that were hurting. I think that portion of scripture is so important because Jesus was moved with compassion. There's so many people that are dying going to hell. God forbid that God looks down and says, New Holland, there's a bunch of sheep out there that have no clue where they're going. I hope and pray that we understand there are people that we need to reach and we go get them. We go reach through the power of the Holy Spirit. We go do and heal the sick, raise the dead, feed the poor, clothe the naked. Do what God wants you to do. There's still work to be done. God values each person. And it's so important to understand that. Each person matters to God. And then he goes in the text and says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Let us be a church with an overabundance of workers overabundance that we just keep on getting workers to reach the loss so as we close this morning it's your choice it's your choice to look alive I can't do it I can't do it for you I can do it for me Christ died on the cross that you might have life and life more abundantly it's your choice to believe in Christ or not it's your choice to change your eternal destiny today or you can choose not to I hope and pray that you make today your day to say, you know what? I'm going to serve God with all my heart. I'm going to give up my old life and become anew. And if that's you this morning, I'm going to have you come forward with the next altar call as well. So for those who don't know Christ to come forward, that want to change their eternal home to heaven rather than hell. Also, lastly, a call for healing. You're here this morning and you were re-energized. You've allowed doubt to creep in and you just accept your circumstance or your sickness and been walking around lifeless and you want to be healed this morning I believe it's your healing's in the house I believe God's spirit's here I believe God's called us to do this knowing the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside of you and me and every believer we would love and a privilege to pray for you to lay our hands on you and pray a prayer of faith knowing that God has already healed your body in Jesus name